And turn with me to the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations. Now normally if you open up your Bible towards the middle, you get close to Psalms. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Lamentations is a small book tucked into the Minor Prophets. It's considered in the Minor Prophets section, but it's a appendium to um, the book of Jeremiah. So if you find the book of Jeremiah, and right next to it, right before you hit Ezekiel, you hit Ezekiel, you went too far, you'll find the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. And we're going to look at chapter 3. Now, of course, the prophet Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations, and we'll describe a little bit more about it here in just a bit. But the book of of Lamentations is a very heartbreaking book. It is an amazing book to study, but it is a heartbreaking book as we see what the judgment of God looks like, what the judgment of God sounds like, what the judgment of God is. And so if you wouldn't mind, look with me in the book of Lamentations, the book of Lamentations in chapter number 3, and let's look and see what the Word of God says. The book of Lamentations in chapter number 3, and notice the Bible says in verse number 1, I am the man that hath seen the affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turned his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in a dark place, and as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about, that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with a huge stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait, and as a lion in secret places." He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. 
And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Lamentations chapter 3? The book of Lamentations chapter 3, and in verse 21, the phrase at the very end, Therefore have I hope. Therefore have I hope. Now with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach that exact thing. Therefore have I hope. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And we thank you for the great privilege it is to come to your house tonight. And Lord, I know that there's lots of things going on and different things going on at work and people's lives, health things going on, finances going on. Lord, through it all, we still have a good God. And I'm just asking that you would let us see what a great God you are, that you would give us the hope that we need that you would encourage the folks about the goodness that you have, that your mercies fail not, and great is your faithfulness. Lord, tonight, I just know someone needs this encouragement. And I'm asking that you would give them the grace and the relief that they need from the goodness that you have. Lord, I know that I'm nothing. So the best I know how, once again, I just surrender myself to you. Please just use me tonight as an instrument in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In about the 1930s in this country, there was a radio program that captivated the nation. The program that many people ended up thinking was real because they had popped in at the wrong time was War, War, excuse me, War of the Worlds. It was a radio program and when people listened to it, they actually believed that aliens were invading America and they would have a newspaper, uh, a news reporter that would be on the radio and giving the news and telling what was happening. One of the captivating parts was a man who was in New York in, in this radio drama series and again, people were listening to it. They actually thought it was a true radio broadcast and that aliens had landed in New York and this man was describing what he saw and it was describing the scenes and then he watched as the aliens came out of the, the ships and began to destroy all the people uh, of, of New York and, and the People at home would listen to the radio and they would captivate it until finally the radio broadcast went silent and the people assumed that the man in New York had also perished during that time. Again, it was such a captivating time that people actually thought aliens were coming. The broadcast was so real. This is, again, before television and before anything like that happened. But the book of Lamentations is almost like that journalist who was in New York. We have Jeremiah who's walking down Jerusalem. The Jerusalem has been destroyed in 586 B.C. by the Babylonians. And the whole city is in ruins. It's destroyed. And what we have here is Jeremiah's account, his, his journalistic approach, as he's watching and reporting on the sights and sounds of the judgment of God. He watches as he sees Boys and girls quietly running around and trying to just hold up their hands, begging bread. He sees their, their ribs sticking to their stomach and they're begging and people just ignore them, not feeding starving children. He watches his mother's plan to cannibalize their children in order for them to have some type of food for the next day. He goes walking down the street and his feet hit some rocks and he ignores it at first and looks and says, oh no. No, 
And it was the temple that had been leveled and destroyed. And he goes and walks and sees the judgment of God and the destruction in the houses. And he sees the people. And he sees what the judgment of God looks like. Along with this, Jeremiah poetically writes this. The book of Lamentations, the word Lamentation, has the idea of a funeral dirge. It's a, it's a type of wailing, mournful song you would sing at a funeral when you were mourning a relative that you would feel like you would never see again. It is written in a poetical style called a, limp, a limping meter, and it's made to be more of a mournful passage. It's also another poetical thing, just as a gee whiz information, that each of these chapters have 22 verses, except for chapter 3, which has 66. And what they did poetically is that in the Hebrew, each one of these verses start with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, of course, it doesn't translate to English in that way, but that's why you have 22 verses. There's 22 letters in the alphabet, and in chapter 3, it just repeats it three times. And again, it's poetical, but it's reporting what happened. But as we see the book of Lamentations and see the judgment that happens in there, we also have to remember that Jeremiah was not exempt. That the judgment that fell upon all of Jerusalem and the people, Jeremiah himself was not exempt. And he was going through it. For context's sake, let's look at a couple of these verses until we lead up to where I was going. But let's see these things that happened to Jeremiah. In verses 1 through 5, we see that his body and his spirit is broken. Verse number 1. I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. That his is God. He says, I've seen the affliction... He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into the light, into light. Surely against me as he turned, he had turned his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. Here Jeremiah is talking about his body. And his spirit is broken because he has suffered the same judgment that has been fallen. And his body is broken. It is starving. It is aching. His spirit is broken when he's seeing the destruction of his land, of his people. And verses 7 through 9, we see that no man, uh, there's no help from either man or heaven. Verse number 7. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, He shutteth out my prayers. He hath enclosed my ways with huge stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He's crying and saying there's no help. Even if I cry out to heaven, it seems like, the prayers aren't reading through. He is so broken hearted. He's so hurt. It goes on talking about Jeremiah. It talks about the bitterness that he has in verse number 14. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He had filled me with bitterness. He had made me drunken with wormwood. Wormwood was a very bitter wood that if you were to put inside of water and mix it up as a drink, it would be a very nasty, uh, bitter concoction would come up he verse 16 he hath broken my he had also broken my teeth with gravel stones and had covered me with ashes he says when i look at myself my teeth are feel like they're rotten my my 
body is so gray and ashen from starvation. I mean, he's going through the same thing. And he's saying, oh, it's horrible, it's horrible. He goes on, verse 17, And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. He says, it's been such a long time since I saw had peace. Since it's been a long time since we had anything, I forgot what prosperity was like. I forgot what it was like not to want. I forgot what it was like to to have food and be satisfied. Verse 18, he says, And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. He's saying, I'm at the place where my strength is gone. I feel like my hope is almost gone. I feel like everything's taken away. Uh, verse 14, I was a derision all my people and their song all the day. Here it's talking about that Jeremiah had preached for 30 years. And he'd been preaching to the people. Judgment of God's coming unless you turn around. Judgment of God is going to turn, coming to turn around. And you know what happened? They didn't turn. And finally the judgment of God did come. And now they're laughing at him and said, I thought he was God's man. Look, he's just as miserable as we are. And he's going through the same judgment. And, and, and after all of this, 30 years of preaching, and now the judgment's coming. Or not just coming, but the judgment's already fallen. He must have felt like his whole ministry, his whole life was an abject failure. Could you imagine preaching 30 years, giving 30 years of your life to a people to try to stop judgment from coming? And judgment falls anyway. And no one listened. And no one cared. He must have felt like his entire world failed. His entire ministry. You may go up to Jeremiah and say, How do you wake up another day? Why don't you just lay down? I mean, how do you take another step? How do you keep going after this? Where it seems everything you tried, you'd failed. Everything's gone. You have no food. Everything is gone. The temple is gone. Your country is wrecked. The people are gone. It's just horrible. How do you take another step? That's a good question. And let me show you what his answer was. And the first thing I'd like to show you is the unchangeable character of God. How can he take another step? How can he go when it seems like everything in his life fell apart? How can he keep going when it seems like his whole life and ministry was for naught? How can he go when it just doesn't seem like anything is going to get better? How do you take another step? Well, first of all is the unchangeable character of God. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, in verse 18. Uh, sorry, in verse 21. This I recall in my mind... Therefore, I have hope, or have I hope. You know, memory is such a wonderful thing. Can you imagine what it would be like to wake up day by day and not remember what you did the day before? Remember anything about your life? That almost every day you wake up, it's a brand new you and a brand new life. You know, memory is such a wonderful thing. You could go back and remember good times. You could go back and remember growing up. There, there's good, pleasant memories. And when you go back and think about what God has done for you before, that gives you hope. So what was it that Jeremiah had hope when he thought about God and he thought about what God has done for him? How did it give him hope? Well, he saw the unchangeable character of God. Notice verse 22. This is of the Lord's mercies that we are not Consumed. We see, first of all, 
the Lord's mercy. You know what he could remember? He could remember the Lord's mercy. You know God is very merciful to us. Hold your finger here and turn back with me to the book of Psalms. So the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah, Isaiah, um, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Psalms. Everyone should be able to do the Bible backwards, right? Psalm 136. Psalm 136. Psalm 136 is pretty much the history lesson of Israel's history. And it gives like a, a... portrait gallery. Have you ever been to a portrait gallery? Maybe a a photo gallery, maybe almost like a painting gallery. And and each one of these paintings, each one of these portraits, you see a picture, you see a frame, and underneath it there's a little brass plaque underneath it that maybe describes and and talks about this picture. And, And you go from picture to picture, and it tells a story as you put the pictures together. This is what Psalm 136 does. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, Psalm 136. It says, Give thanks unto the Lord... For he is, or he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So here it's a snapshot, and underneath is a brass plaque that says, For his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who is alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. And the first couple of verses, you just have God. And before there's even a creation, we see God. It all begins with God. And a little plaque, his mercy endureth forever. Then we see God creating the worlds. And a little plaque, for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, verse 6, to him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made the great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule the day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. We could see these picture frames of creation, and underneath each one of those, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 10, to him that smote Egypt and their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. Here we have a snapshot. We have Pharaoh holding his firstborn child. That child is limp because he has been slain by God in the angel of death. And then on the side of the flame, other side, you have the Egyptians with light and they're celebrating their freedom. And underneath you have the plaque that says, for his mercy endureth forever. And brought out of Egypt among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With his strong hand and his stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever. Here's a snapshot of them escaping Egypt. And then finally the Red Sea that's parted. By the way, with two and a half million people, that Red Sea would have had a part between three to five miles. Not a very narrow thing like the movie show, but it's three to five miles that Red Sea had to part open to get the two and a half million people across overnight. And underneath it's a big plaque for His mercy endureth forever. And it goes through the chronologizing, the history of Israel in Psalm 136. And each time underneath that brass plaque, for His mercy endureth forever. You know, if you were to go through your life, and if you were to be able to see it as God sees it, you could see the same thing, that you were born for your mercy, for His mercy endureth forever. You could see you growing up for His mercy endureth forever. You could see you getting saved for His mercy endureth forever. You coming to church and for His mercy endureth forever. You could go back and see all 
the things that God has done, for His mercy endureth forever. You know why you could go back and look in your mind and look through memory and have hope? Because you could go back and see that His mercy endureth forever. That's a God of mercies. Look back with me in the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations. What else do we see about this unchangeable character of God? We see in verse number 22, For it is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Notice this. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Oh, is it a wonderful thing that God's compassions run deep? That God cares for you. And what's even better is that there is no cutoff for God's mercy or compassion. You can't outuse God's uh, compassion because they're new every morning. Isn't it amazing how a troublesome situation could look better after a good night's sleep? Isn't it a wonderful thing that God's compassions are new every morning? You may have a whole day where you feel like you failed God and you failed God and you failed God. But the next morning, guess what? His compassions are new every morning. Oh, it doesn't matter how much we've messed up and how much we we may have just ruined everything. God's compassion, oh, and His mercies, they're new every morning. Notice the next thing. What about God's unchangeable character of God? That His mercy, oh, it dureth forever. Lord's compassion, they fail not. Notice the next one. Great is thy faithfulness. Do you know the Lord is faithful? And that's not just a saying that the Lord can be nothing but faithful. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, And 13, you don't have to turn there, but it says that God cannot deny Himself. He is faithful. You know, if you were to somehow be able to cut God in half, you know what you would see running through Him? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. God cannot stop being faithful. I sometimes say this, aren't you glad that God isn't as faithful to us as we're faithful to Him? God's faithfulness doesn't stop. You know... God doesn't stop being faithful. You know, think about faithfulness. If I was to come up to my wife and say, Honey, I've got great news. I've been 99.9% faithful to you. That's not good news to her. She wants to hear that I'm 100% faithful. And you know what God is? He is 100% faithful. He doesn't ever let us down. He doesn't ever stop caring. He doesn't ever stop loving. He is always there and available. He is faithful. Great is His faithfulness. Oh, when we think about the unchangeable character of God, that He can't stop being merciful. He can't stop being compassionate. He can't stop being faithful. He is those things. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, one more thing. Verse 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. Here we see the sufficiency of God never wavers. God never wavers. Isn't it an amazing thing? That sometimes we don't think about God is all we need until He's all we have. You know, as long as you have God, you do have everything you need. Sometimes we get stuck on frivolous things that we think are needs. And sometimes God will boil it all away just to let us realize He's what we truly need most of all. But God's sufficiency never stops. 
It never stops. He is sufficient. If we have God, we have what we need. It says that the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I have hope in Him. This isn't a wistful thing because I know if I have God, I have everything we need. I can have hope because of who God is. The unchangeable character of God. Now again, we ask the question Jeremiah, how can you keep going? In a horrible situation where it looks like it all fell apart, how can you take another step? He says, first of all, the unchangeable character of God, because who God is, I could go another step. And because of who God is, it brings us to the unfathomable strength of God. The unfathomable, the unbelievable strength of God. Notice in verse number 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. Notice what God that says. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. God blesses those who wait for Him. Now this isn't an impatient waiting where we're tapping our foot and saying, Come on God, come on God. But this is a calmness and a peace that says, God, I'm trusting you. You just tell me what to do and I will go. You tell me what to do and I'll obey. But there's a calmness here. There's a peace. There's a waiting on God that says, God, you know what you're doing. You know, the ultimate form of worship is waiting on God. Because that means you trust Him. If you can trust Him, you'll wait on Him. And if you wait on Him, guess what? You will get His strength. Notice as it goes on, 25, For the Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. Strength comes from worship. When you find God, when you just put forth the effort to find Him, He will give you the strength you need because you see Him and you say, All right, you're God. I can go another day. I can keep going. Just You have to look for Him. You just have to just say, God, show yourself. That's who God is. And you'll get that strength by seeking Him, by looking for Him. When you're in the darkest days and you say, God, I don't see any way out, just show me. Lord, I'm trusting you right now. He'll show you what you need and give you the strength to take another step, to go another day. Verse 26, it is good that a man should both hope and notice this, quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Notice it. It is good for a man to both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of God. This is saying God is my truth. I could sit here. I don't have to yell and scream. I can trust God. You know, there's some people who are impatient waiters and they yell and let everyone know how miserable they are in waiting. You know, let me get in line next to five people behind uh, McDonald's and I'll get there myself. That's a failing. I'll leave the line. I just don't want to wait. But when you could trust in God, you could be quiet and say, all right, God, I could trust you. And your timing, God. Have you ever tried to rush God? Come on, God. Come on, God. Come on, God. If you truly trust him, you're willing to wait for him and say, all right, God, when you get it across, your timing I'm going to be quiet and wait. We've Most of us are familiar with children, right? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? 
Or maybe you might have heard, when's supper? When's supper ready? 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 Wait! You know, when you tell them to wait, you don't mean to wait for a couple seconds of them to ask again, right? You want them to be quiet, and when it gets there, that is the right time. God does that to us too. Just be quiet. I've got things handled. I'll let you know when it's done. Aren't we like a bunch of kids sometimes towards God? And God has so much patience. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His compassion. Great is His faithfulness. What a wonderful thing that we have. The unfathomable strength of God. That we need to hope and quietly wait. Notice 27 through 30. It gives a principle here. For it is good that a man bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence. Because he borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust. So if he may just... If so, there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He filleth full with reproach. Here we have the idea of willful submission. We have a picture of someone who sits down and just quietly waits and says, God will bring it to pass when he's ready. That quiet submissiveness, saying, God, I trust you. I'm just going to wait here and you tell me what to do. That's waiting on God. And you know, when you do that, God gives you such a strength. The unfathomable strength of God. It's not a strength that Jeremiah had. By the way, if it was just on Jeremiah's strength, he would have curled up and died. How does he get through that situation? It was God. He was trusting in God and said, God, I'm trusting you. You get it to work. And God gave him the strength to take another step. It was God that helped him wake up every morning. It was God that got him out of bed. It was God that got him through the day. It was God that helped him through the horrors that he saw each and every day during that time. It was God in his strength. We see the unfathomable strength of God, which comes from the unchangeable character of God, which brings us to one more thing. And this is where I want to give you the encouragement at the unfailing promises of God. The unfailing promises of God. Notice verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever. You know, we go through little periods, maybe of judgment, maybe of waiting, maybe of working or turning or uh, the fire of the furnace. But God says, hey, it's not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. It's just going to be just for a little time. Verse 32. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. He says, my compassion is as as long as his mercy. How is his mercies? They fail not. How is his compassion? They're as long as his mercies. Do you know that God says, My purpose is not to destroy you. My purpose is to make you more like Christ. He says, these things that are happening to you, they're not here to hurt you. They're not there to harm you. It may hurt, but it's not there to harm you. You know, when I did the medical career field, you get a lot of people who get scared. It was was, uh, always the pilots and the... uh, 
and the secret, uh, not secret service, special forces and the big tough guys that would be shaking like little girls when we go draw their blood and stuff, you know. And we tell them, you know, with anything, you know, maybe they're resetting a bone. We'll tell them this may hurt, but it won't harm you. Do you know that God may send some things that may hurt, but they're not there to harm you? That's why we have Romans 28. For all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. God didn't say all things are good. He says all things work together for good. You know what God is doing during this time in Israel's history? Is he just sending judgment and said, you know what, I'm tired of you. Just forget it. I feel like picking on someone. You know, some people think God is that mean that he obviously just gets bored and he wants to pick on someone and he puts someone through horrible times. He had a purpose for Israel. And the whole purpose was to bring Israel to himself, to bring them closer. You know why some things happen in your life? He's trying to make you more like Jesus. He's trying to bring you closer. And he knows this is what you need. Not what we want, but what we need to get us closer to God. Because he's that good of a God. And when you remember God's promises that he's not trying to destroy us, he's not trying to hurt us, he's not being mean, he knows what he's doing. And he's got a plan. And he's not trying to destroy us. Notice verse 33. For he doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. That just says he's not trying. He doesn't want to hurt the people. He's got a plan though. He's got a plan. He's not a mean God who feels like he has to pick on people. Aren't you glad he's a merciful God? And he's a great God and he's a wise God and he knows what he's doing. God is a good God. His compassions, they fail not. His mercies, they're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. God doesn't change. He's good all the time. Do you know when the judgment of God came, God is still good and God is still right? When different things happen in our life, God is still good and God is still right. When sickness comes, God is still good and God is still right. You know, sometimes we almost give the impression that as long as things are going well for us, that God is still good. But God is good regardless of what's going on because he knows what he's doing. We just have to remember that God is good. And he's got a plan. And just because we're Christians doesn't make us exempt from the things that go on in this world. Jeremiah was a faithful preacher for 30 years, but he suffered the judgment of God upon the nation just like everyone else. But God is still good, and God is still right. And he's good whether you believe it or not. But you get your strength for believing it. There's a psalm where David says, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of God. You know what David is saying? He says, I don't see the goodness of God. The only way I would have quit is I just believed that God was good because I don't see the goodness of God. You know, there may be some times in your life where you just say, I just don't see. I don't see it. I I don't see it. But God is still good and God is still right. 
And if you can believe that God doesn't change and that he's good anyways, God will give you such a strength to face any trouble and any tribulation. Now, it's not from yourself. It's not a thing where Jeremiah picked himself up by the bootstraps and he motivated himself every morning. You know, and when he woke up every day and he remembered where he was at and the judgment that came, it wasn't because he was saying, all right, you got to be strong. you got to be who you are. No, he had to think about how good God was to get him up. It was the goodness of God. And when you remember the unchangeable character of God, you could have the unfathomable strength of God. Just remember the unfailing promises of God. That God's not trying to harm us. It may hurt, but he's not trying to harm us. He's trying to do something in our lives to make us more like Jesus. And isn't that a good God to make us more like him? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again.